0: are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. I've got a good Monday show for you. We're going to go over those picks from this past weekend. A really good weekend in college football. Should have been the most profitable you had all season if you paid attention. Pros was very wonky, and a lot came down to numbers in terms of what you got when you put the bets in. But we're going off the numbers I give you on Friday, but I know that's not what everybody does and puts their plays in on Friday. So maybe you got better numbers, maybe you got worse numbers. I don't know. But we'll go over what happened in pros. I'm going to talk a little bit of World Series and some college football. And we had a scorigami in the NFL this weekend. And I'll tell you what that is. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's get to it. Let's talk about uh, what happened this weekend in college football in my plays. I went 6-2 and two in college football. How about that? But the most impressive thing is, number one, two impressive things about my picks from this past weekend in college. Number one, we moved to 7-1 one and 1 on the season with my best bets, absolute blowout by Oklahoma State over Cincinnati. Um, can't get any easier than that. Never really had to sweat that one. And yeah, it was close at half, but once they got up 24-7, it was pretty much all she wrote. So 7-1 one and 1 in my best bets. And I and I point that out only because there are some handicappers out there that do a podcast every single week and I track Their best bets, and this person is a very prominent person. I think he's great in his information. A lot of the stuff that I give you is fresh off his Twitter account. You might know him, formerly at ESPN, now at Fox Sports. Chris the Bear Felica, he has a podcast every week where he gives out college plays, and he gives out a best bet. You know what he is on his nine weeks of college football best bets? Two and seven. I'm seven, one, and one. I'm not saying I'm better than Chris Felica. He's been doing this a lot longer than I have. But I'm just saying, you wouldn't want to be listening to his best bets this year. You want to be listening to mine. So 7-1-1 with that Oklahoma State win. On the picks, we went 1-2. Colorado was, uh, you know, they got us a a backdoor cover. with um, Whether you got the line at 15 or 17, uh, they got the backdoor cover and lose by 12 with a late touchdown against UCLA. Texas State had a bad second half. They were in it. And they were up 10-7 at half and just fell apart in the second half. Didn't cover against Troy, and Wyoming got blasted by Boise State. That was kind of a surprise. Didn't see that one uh, as bad as it was. The other great thing about Saturday, in case you were following along, not only did I go 3-0 and on my underdog plays, every single one of them was a touchdown or more underdog and won the game outright. I mean, that was huge. Louisiana Lafayette, the Ragin' Cajuns, getting 10 on Friday. That game closed at 12, and they won by 19. So we get them plus 10, plus the 278. It was probably more if you put it in on Sunday. But I had it at plus 278. West Virginia, an easy winner. They won by, what, 15? They were getting seven. That's plus 210. And Kansas with the outright over Oklahoma. I told you I did not believe in this Oklahoma team. Kansas coming off a bye week playing at home at kickoff they were down to seven but we put it in on Friday it didn't matter nine seven whatever they win the game outright by five plus 260. so an absolutely great day uh 54 7.5 units um, on the money line so now we're back up to plus 1.6 units on the money line for the season and we are all now we're 12 13 and 1 on my underdog plays. So our regular picks uh, the the best bet 7 1 and 1. The regular picks now are 16 16 and 2 and the underdogs are 12 13 and 1. Three team 10 point teaser was pretty much an easy winner. Louisiana Lafayette plus the 20. I mean, they won the game by 19. Kansas plus the 19, they won the game by 5 and the Duke Louisville under went under by 33 points. So, I mean, just an easy, easy winner in college. And there's your 6-2 and two, uh, for Saturday. So, a great day on Saturday for you. As for the NFL, like I said, this came down to numbers for a lot of you. But of the numbers I gave out on Friday, we went 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. <laughs> Lost the best bet of the week on the Green Bay Packers plus the 1.5. I know it looked ugly. And I know you see a final of 24-10. But if you didn't see the game... Green Bay was inside the Minnesota red zone three times in the last seven minutes of the game and got no points. Two times they were stopped on downs. It might have been three. The third time it was either stopped on downs or a turnover. And if they score a touchdown on one of those, we we um, probably hit our three-team 10-point teaser – because I had Green Bay plus 11 and a half. But, you know, they cut it to 24 17. You don't know what pressure that puts on Minnesota. Kirk Cousins blew out his Achilles. So, yet another quarterback in the NFL. I could donate my scooter to if he's interested. But without Kirk Cousins, if Green Bay cuts it, let's say the first time they got down there and they were down there and fourth and goal inside the 10 and incomplete pass. Let's say they score there. That's 24 17. Minnesota doesn't have their quarterback. And. Green Bay gets the ball back two more times, so you just never know. So that was a uh, that was a brutal loss. I know it looked ugly; it didn't even look close, but it was a lot closer than the final score indicated. As for the picks, this went one one and 1 and two. Denver, no brainer. They were beating Kansas City the whole game. Plus seven and a half. I told you you weren't going to like that play. It was ugly. It seems like every time I tell you we've got ugly plays, they end up winning. Denver plus seven and a half, easy winner. Washington plus seven, should have won, then should have lost, and then they got a backdoor touchdown to push at seven. The New York Giants, I don't know if you saw this, but this was ridiculous. New York Giants, they were plus two and a half on Friday. I told you to buy it to three, so that's another push. But they should have won that game outright. I don't know if you saw it, but the Jets got stopped on downs um, at their own 40-yard line with a minute and a half left and they only had two timeouts. And then the first and then they got a penalty after they got stopped on down. So the New York Giants, for those that don't know, are up 10 to 7. They took over the ball at the Jets 26-yard line. Ran it on first down, Jets called timeout. Ran it on second second down, Jets called timeout. Ran it on third down, got to the 19-yard line, let the clock run all the way down to like 31 seconds. Giants called a timeout. 35-yard field goal to go up 13-7. So if you make it, you're up by six. The Jets have to go the length of the field after the kickoff, assuming they don't run the kickoff back. They have to go the length of the field and get a touchdown to beat you. But Graham Gano misses his second field goal of the game. He might have had three, but I know he missed at least two. He missed his second field goal of the game from 35 yards. Jets take over there. Still, they're at their own 26, 27-yard line with no timeouts. Now, you have to just get a field goal to tie it. Zach Wilson, who's been doing absolute shit all game long, two long completions, one for 29 yards, and then the next one was for like 26 yards, and they were already in field goal range. (laughs) Two plays, field goal range, kick the field goal, tie it at 10, go to overtime, and you pretty much knew what was going to happen here. I was just hoping the Jets (laughs) didn't get a touchdown, because I knew the writing was on the wall. The Giants were losing this game by three or six. It all depended on how the Jets were going to score. Even after the Giants got the opening um, coin flip, it didn't matter. Because if you didn't see it, Tarod Taylor went out in the third quarter. So Tommy DeVito, yes, a guy named Tommy DeVito played quarterback in the NFL yesterday and pretty much did nothing for the Giants. The Giants were just defensively better yesterday and we're just trying to hang on and trying to win the game 10-7. But the second it went to overtime, you knew the Giants were cooked. And it's exactly what happened. Jets kick a field goal in overtime after a pass interference call on the Giants deep in their own territory. Jets kick a field goal in the next play, and they win it 13-10. So we pushed there. Ugly, ugly push underdog another ugly play that i told you about but we'll take it arizona cardinals nine and five on the c nine and five what am i talking i'm looking at plus nine and a half nine and a half now granted if you didn't see the end of this game we got a little lucky um they cut it to 10 with a touchdown with about a minute and a half left went for two to try and get it to eight so this was where it was going to be either shit we're gonna they're gonna lose by 10 or we're going to cover, and they're going to lose by eight, and we're going to cover. And they didn't get the two-point conversion. They actually did, but there was a holding penalty called, so they had to go for it again from the 12-yard line, and they didn't get it. So I'm like, great. But then they recovered the onside kick, got down to the 20, and ended up kicking a field goal because they needed two scores. So they lose by seven. We get the cover, and I'm now five and three on my underdog plays in the NFL. Didn't get the money line play, but – Got the win there, plus nine and a half. And then the three team 10 point tees are, like I said, Arizona plus 19 and a half was a given. They were never losing by more than 20. Um, and uh, the Chargers, and then Green Bay plus the 11 and a half. And obviously, Green Bay, you know, shit down their leg and couldn't punch it in three different times in the Minnesota red zone the last seven minutes of the game. So those are the breaks, 2 2 and 2, but a great weekend in college. Like I said, we'll take 8 4 and 2. Every week. I mean, you know, you go eight and four and you hit 67%. We'll take it every week. So I wish we could have had a better pro day. Um, You know, some of you might have gotten seven and a half with the commanders, some of you might have gotten three and a half with the Giants. I don't know. But going by my record and what I give out on Friday, That's how we do the lines. And like I said, if this was some sort of paid service or whatever, I'd be updating you and sending out emails and you would know the morning of what the plays were. But considering I don't do a podcast on the weekends, this is the best I can do for you. You're going to have to kind of gauge it yourself. Listen to what I say when I give out the plays and just kind of gauge it. But you never leave a game on two and a half. If you if you're betting an underdog and they're plus two and a half, you always buy it up to three. Um, and if you're betting an underdog plus, plus two and a half or six and a half, always buy it to three or seven because games mostly end on that score. If you're betting the favorite and they're laying seven and a half or three and a half, you always buy it down to seven and three. It's just what you got to do in the NFL. But uh, good week, eight, four, and two. We'll take it on to next week. So let's talk a little bit about the NFL yesterday. I already went over the Giants' bumbling and stumbling and giving away a victory to the Jets, did you see that we had a scoregami? Do you know what a agami is? That's when a score happens for the very first time in NFL history. Now, this was kind of weird. There's been over, I believe, 16,000 games played in the NFL. And the Dallas Cowboys-LA Rams game yesterday had a 43-20 to final. That has never happened in NFL history. Which, I mean... If you told me that you know eight to five never happened in NFL history, I'd be like, okay. And by the way, eight to five has never been a final score, in an NFL uh, an NFL game. Oh wait, no, it has. There's one. There's an there's an actual website that says it's called NFLScoregami.com, and it's got a chart where the winning team score is across the top, the uh, losing team score is down the side, and it's just a chart where you can you know match things up. And see how many times you can even see how many times a score has happened. So there's a lot, especially involving the number four for the losing team. Like the losing team landing on two and four points, it just doesn't really happen. So, yeah, there's a lot of scores that haven't happened. But when you hear 43 to 20, that doesn't sound crazy. But up until yesterday, it had never happened. 43 to 20 is the first time it had happened in NFL history. Um, just looking at this chart, I mean, the, these numbers are kind of small, so I'm just kind of skimming each line. I'm just trying to look for the, the, the most common score. Let's see. 168 is the number Oh, 285. That's got to be the highest, right? OK, so 285 is go up 20 to 17. That is the most common score in the history of the NFL. It has happened 285 times. 20 to 17. If I'm looking correctly, there isn't a game that's happened, that a score that has happened even 200 times. Oh, wait, here's one 232. So this would be second place, and this is 232. This is winning team 27, losing team 24. Okay, makes sense. 20 to 17. the two most common scores in NFL games. One happened 285 times. One happened 232 times. Oh, here's one for 200, and that is go up 23 for the winning team and 20 for the losing team. So, yeah, I mean, it's that's not far-fetched. However, you can check every single score. Now, basically anything over (sighs) – I mean, once you get into the 40s, uh, you know, if you're asking me, was there a score of 62 to three? You know, no. Um, but, oh, wait, there was a 62 to three. There was one game. But, uh, you know, 60, uh, 61 to three? No. 60 to three? No. 59 to three? 58, 57? No. But 43 to 20 yesterday, Cowboys, Rams. Eh, I'm surprised, you know? It's a lot of scoring for both teams. 20 is clearly a number that has landed on a lot in the NFL. 43 has only been landed on, you know, probably f- just looking at these numbers all the way down, 10, 14, 15, about, about 40 times. Um, so, yeah, it just has never been 43 to 20 until yesterday. But we did get a score so how about that? Some college football to go over. First off, the Clemson Tigers are absolutely in a free fall and I'm sure Dabo will blame the media or Dabo will blame anybody but the fact that he's done a horrible coaching job and they aren't nearly the team that they were when they were kind of rolling through college football, you know? Um, Just a bad, bad football team right now. I mean, you lose to NC State as a double-digit favorite, come on. Uh, They might be a bet-against team the rest of the year because they have packed it in. Those, th- those players have four losses. They haven't even touched two losses since they've been at Clemson, and I, what do they have to play for at this point? Their lines are going to reflect it because they're not going to be big favorites over anybody anymore because they're not very good. Cade Klubnick is a bust. I hate to say it. I'm sure he's a great kid. I don't mean to hate on him, but he's not. You know, he comes out of high school, and he's the number one recruit, and they get him, and he basically was the reason DJ Uyunglele transferred <laughs> who would you rather have this year, DJ or Cade Klebnick? DJ's playing really well for Oregon State, even though they lost this past weekend to Arizona. At least they're 6-2. and two. I mean, you're better than you're 4-4. Four four. But, and it's why, you know, it's kind of why recruiting thing is just whatever. I mean, I get that somebody has to, re, you know, grade these kids, but you're a five-star in college or high school. Great. If you get to college, as a five-star recruit and don't play well, what does it matter that you were five-star coming out of high school? I've heard this through numerous people and it has been thrown around that, and, and I guess we'll see once he eventually takes a snap under center, whenever that is and whoever that may be for, but, you know, Cooper Manning's son, Arch Manning, was one of the highest recruits in the nation last year. Signed with Texas. He clearly isn't playing for Texas. Hasn't taken a snap this year, I don't believe, maybe one or two, in mop-up duty behind Quinn Ewers. And then uh, he's not even the backup. Ewers is hurt. I have heard throughout college football people that if Arch Manning's last name wasn't Manning, he would have been a three-star coming out of high school. It's kind of an overinflated thing to give him because of who he is and his lineage. But I've heard he's not nearly as good as a lot of people are making him out to be. We'll see. Maybe he's going to light up college football once he does play. But the fact that he's a five-star recruit and is the third stringer on Texas, what's his name, Malik Murphy, the guy who quarterbacked this past weekend? Did he look like he's any good? Texas won and beat BYU because of their defense. Not really anything Malik Murphy did, and they are in trouble next week against Kansas State. Really curious to see what that line is at. Probably going to be what four, four and a half. If that line is anything over three, I'm taking Kansas State because I think Kansas State is a better football team than Kansas uh, than Texas right now, especially with. If I'm, if I'm, I might be forgetting his first name. I know his last name's Murphy, right? But I just he does not impress me at all. And if Arch Manning can't beat him out, how good is Arch Manning? The other thing in college football is Pat Narduzzi uh, might be on his last legs at the University of Pittsburgh after throwing his team under the bus over the weekend. They got blasted by Notre Dame, 58-7. Did you see what Narduzzi said after the game? He said, we lost a lot of good players last year. We thought we'd replace them, and we obviously didn't do a good job with that. He said that. It was posted on Twitter by a reporter, because that's what reporters do. They take your quotes, and the exact quote was posted on Twitter and eight Pitt Panther football players retweeted it. Jason Collier had the emoji with the hand over the uh, mouth. Ryland Gandy said, LOL, crazy world. Derek Davis said, Wow, that's what's up. Uh, somebody else said, Nah, ain't no way I'm reading that right. Daniel Carter said, Wow. Jason McIntyre said, huh, with an emoji of the inquisitive face. Another one said, damn, damn, that's flaw. And Montravius Lloyd did the emoji with the inquisitive face. So, I mean, he's lost that locker room, and Pitt is now a bet against team for the rest of the year if they fire Narduzzi, or if they don't fire him. If they fire him after this week, after what he said, and his players basically revolting against him, Why would you ever, ever put any money on them the rest of the year? I certainly wouldn't. So let's keep that in mind going forward. But way to throw your players under the bus, coach. Holy shit. All right, let's end it with some World Series talk. Two games in the books. Rangers with an absolute great game one. Adoles Garcia continues. El Bombi continues the legendary postseason that he's having he already has more rbis this postseason than anybody in the history of baseball and there still could be five games left in this series he's got 22 postseason rbis up until saturday he had hit a home run in five consecutive games that's second best overall i mean what a great postseason he's having diamondbacks come back and win game two rather easily nine to one so three straight games tonight starting tonight in arizona Max Scherzer going for the the Rangers and you know at this point the Rangers are 8-0 on the road. I don't see them going 11-0 on the road and sweeping and winning the series 4-1. They got to lose at some point on the road, right? I mean it just doesn't make any sense. The question is, do they come home if they don't sweep or they don't get swept, do they come home down 3-2 or up 3-2? Ideally, you'd want them to take 2 of 3 if you're a Ranger fan. In Arizona, come home up 3 2 and hope you can win one of two. But even if you are coming home up 3 2, the Diamondbacks were down 3 2 heading to Philly in the NLCS and won both games in Philly rather handily, I might add. So again, these are it's a seven game series, but to me, it is seven one game series. I know I sound like a broken record, but it is because you can't really predict what's going to happen in any of these games. I don't know what's going to happen tonight. I have no idea what's happening in tomorrow's game and Wednesday's game. It is just craziness. So at this point, we just sit back, and if you're a Ranger fan, you just hope. You hope, and if you're a Diamondbacks fan, you sit back and you hope. One thing that circulated over the weekend once it was established or towards the middle of last week, and I didn't even see it until this past weekend, was the fact that there's a lot of similarities between this year's World Series Diamondbacks team and the last Diamondbacks team to win the World Series in 2001. These four things have all been the same. And this is kind of freaky, and if they end up winning it, you could be like, wow, maybe that's why this is coincidental. But if they don't win it, it obviously ends up meaning nothing. But going into this series, just know this. In 2001, Randy Johnson, remember when he hit the bird during spring training with a pitch? Well, um, Zach Gallen hit a bird with a pitch during warmups this year. In the outfield. So these are the things that are all similar between this Diamondbacks team in 2023 and the Diamondbacks team in 2021. Their ace hit a bird in 20 in 2001 and their ace hit a bird in 2023. All the dates of the World Series games in 2001 are the same exact dates in 2003. Started on October 27th, games one and two on October 27th and, and uh, 28th. Game three is on October 30th, game four, October 31st, game five, November 1st. And then game six and seven would be November 3rd and 4th. Same exact dates as when they won the World Series in 2001 against the Yankees. The All-Star Game was in Seattle in 2001, and it was in Seattle in 2023. And George Bush threw out the first pitch in game one in 2001 and and he threw out the first pitch in game one in 2003. I mean, if you're a Diamondbacks fan, I guess you would hold on to that and be like, wow, this is this is destiny for us, right? But who knows if it is. Look, if the Diamondbacks win the World Series, you could basically say, look, this is why we won. Here's four reasons and um, that were very similar to our last one. So right? if you believe in that stuff, hey, if you don't, that's a sign as well. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know about it. We're picking up. We're doing really well in our picks. College, best bet. 7-1-1 one and one on the year and coming off three underdog outright winners in college football this week. All of them a touchdown or more. That doesn't happen. I, I'd i say once a year. If Assuming I give out three underdog plays a week in college and I try and get them in the six to 10 point range, I'll say once a year, I'll get, I'll go three for three. My goal is to have them cover at least two or three cover every week, but to get them to win outright. And you know, well, obviously if they win outright, they're covering, but I I try and, you know, the best thing, if I'm giving three, I want to go two and one or three and oh against the spread. And then maybe get as long, as long as one of them wins outright, you'll probably end up breaking even because if one of them wins outright at plus 200, if the other two lose, you lose two units and you basically break even. So, hey, uh, it definitely, um, I I mean, this was it. This was the week. Uh, will I do it again? Probably not. So, but the whole point is we want to get them to cover. and uh, And we did this weekend, great weekend. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be The greatest reality show on television.